0: Welcome back to Kent's Catcast. Today we've talked about opening your cat's chakras up, do a little cat yoga, and uh, before we close out today, uh, Jimmy gently is here with uh, consider the possibilities. Your it's, cat's horoscope.
1: Yes, uh, it's it, it, this week. We're doing Taurus and Aries, uh, and and and. Uh, for, for all you Taurus cats out there, which a bull cat? How does that work? I don't know. Uh-huh. Would they Would they live on a ranch? I don't understand how it works. I don't know. I just i i, I pull it from the ether. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Taurus, you will urinate in a new place soon. So that sounds exciting. It mm, yes. sounds like a lot of a l- lot of mystery there. Yeah, very um, much. If you're an Aries, uh, stay alert. Cat food changes on the horizon prepare to sing a different tuna mm. there you go tauris and aries next week we'll do scorpio mm-hmm. uh maybe a little libra oh like, yeah i always like a libra
0: yeah yeah i have a couple of libras at home uh sure. is uh,
1: the, the the tabby and the calico i think yes yeah, yes yes yeah no they're, they're they're wonderful they're wonderful a little bit batty sometimes but <laughs> yeah it's, they're, they're fun to have around you know you you laugh you joke it's it's nice.
0: They sure are. That's so we're going to be wrapping up here. That's all the time we've got
1: today. Coming up next is the new show, the Crapshoot. Have have you listened to the show at all? I don't believe they discuss cats, but uh, I'll I'll check in. Maybe they do. I am a very you know I am very discriminating.
0: I don't quite understand it myself, but bully for those two guys. They they seem to be trying real hard.
1: They're they're, they're having a nice time. I'm sure. They sound yeah. like very nice boys. All right. So coming up next, the crapshoot.
2: Mm. Crapshoot,
1: Hey, welcome to the crapshoot. Uh, episode two, episode experimental episode two. If we don't throw this out in a in a great sense of regret, because uh, we're just figuring this stuff out still. I am Josh Millard, uh, your your co host with the most (laughs) uh with me and and laughing audibly is uh jesse holden you're also hosts i don't
0: Uh, know he has the most though i'm less than half yeah
1: you're 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 really a ghost of a co-host you're you're uh you're like an echo on the image of an old uh, analog uh monitor you could say that i guess yeah or vga ghosting that's analog too sure Mm -hmm. sure Strong start, strong start. I feel like we've, we're alienating people
0: already. With, <laughs> with the specifics of VGA display ghosting? I don't, I don't know why you would say that.
1: If you're under, uh, what, 16, you probably don't know what a CRT monitor is to, to begin with. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, we're, we're here. Uh, we, we we are recording a, a second episode without a guest uh, because we're bad at planning uh, and we're trying to uh, keep exploring this format last week we had uh well literally last week in podcast recording time who knows how this is gonna work out when we actually uh start publishing them (laughs) but uh over explaining is the key to an engaging discussion absolutely i have learned from people who want to talk about things on the bus without asking first (laughs) uh yeah we had mark Saltweit. On last week uh, a friend of mine a comedian and palindromist yeah uh, and it was a good time and i he, thought that was
0: a great episode
1: i, I thought so too i That's thought why
0: we're trying to bring it down yeah a peg for exactly. this we got
1: a we got a lower expectation yeah we're we like, gotta
0: modulate people's anticipation
1: here yeah we're coming into a debate on the uh the the political season metaphor for this podcast uh I'm, a- I'm already lost yeah we're we're well okay we're we're, we're obama okay and uh we're going up against uh, romney of a next episode and uh, we want to make sure people don't assume that just by showing up and not vomiting, he wins. Uh, Who so wins? Romney. The Romney... I'm not sure what Romney is in this metaphor. Maybe it's someone else's podcast that's also starting soon. That's also not vomiting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the idea, you know, is we need to bring it down. We need, need to make people assume that we ourselves are going to, like, I don't know, uh, murder a cat on stage. And so then when we show up and merely ramble a little bit... Uh, They'll be like, hey, it was not so bad. Yeah, I mean, he didn't murder a cat, you know. I am lost in the catacombs
0: of this Uh, metaphor.
1: I spend uh, spend a lot of time paying attention (laughs) to the minutia of... uh, of uh, the, the, the political maneuvering during uh, presidential election years.
0: Well, my, my understanding was that it was the, the anticipation surrounding the debates between Obama and Romney was that Obama just had to show up and not vomit or kill
1: a cat. No, 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 no. You would, you would sort of think so. I mean, that, it's, that's okay, that's the top level. The top level is people look at Obama <laughs> and say, this guy, uh, he's, he's already president. He's famed as an orator. Like, people say, Obama, that guy can fucking talk. He can give a speech he he's articulate and was romney kind of coming off a
0: a string of gaffes going into these as i recall vaguely Uh, sort of yeah you know it could have just been the goddamn political echo chamber i'd like insulate myself in
1: i mean i would say well yeah romney had had a couple things going on there was the 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 infamous uh you know 47 percent of the people are terrible moochers and bullshit and fuck them sure and the dog on the top of the car and some other things like that but also he, he he's just like i mean obama had sort of Really flown into office on the strength of this narrative of, among other things, his oration. So the expectation is, okay, this is a guy who's done this, you know, and he's he, he's a great speaker. And so if he shows up at the debates, basically, the the top level is okay. Obama is going to do fine, and Romney's not going to be as good, you know. But then the secondary strategy side of it is that okay, well, if everybody knows Obama's going to do great and everybody knows Romney's not going to do so good, then all Romney has to do is show up and not do terrible. And people say, oh, hey. Oh, and he def- beats the- their expectations. Ex- exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like beating the spread sure. is what it is, uh, if you know anything about sports, which, as we established last week, talking <laughs> to Mark about his book about football, we do not know about sports. Obama but, uh, has to
0: hit a home run every time he steps exactly. up to the plate.
1: Exactly. If, if, if Obama doesn't hit a Grand Slam, then basically it's a touchback for Romney. Right. And he beats Parr. Right, is how it works. That's how right. sports work. That um, is how
0: sp- sports work. That's called a hat trick.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly. Thank you. Uh which is when you go to a hockey game and wear a mask <laughs> that makes you a goalie. Uh why the fuck are we talking
0: <laughs> we, we we like to gravitate towards our weakest areas, I find for sure. Just in case we accidentally make a good episode, we just immediately just go right back to where we know the least.
1: Exactly. So 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 yeah, we're uh, we're just giving this one a go. We're gonna we're gonna try talking because that's how this whole thing started. That's how this idea for this podcast started, as we talked about a little bit briefly at the start of the previous one. Uh, we've both been podcasting. Uh, you were you've been doing in the cut your your movie uh, analysis and discussion podcast, right? And you've been doing your
0: more narrowly focused, but also pretty in-depth uh, dissection of the Hellraiser series, but yes. now branching off into others. Yes, I no.
1: haven't listened to the most recent one. How did that go? It went pretty well. Event Horizon we were talking about. Right, and it's uh, on
0: Netflix, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. So yeah, yeah, go
1: go watch Event Horizon. Because it's, been, it's been
0: years since I saw it. I mean, Adam, we don't have to retread the
1: whole thing. No, but. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> go, 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 go Google, uh, <laughs> we have such films to show you. There's two and a half hours of me and uh, my co-host uh, Jakob Grinberg uh, rehashing that one. We're
0: but, talking about the most recent episode, not not the entire hellraiser yes. purpose there's probably yes, no. 20 hours there's a
1: good there's a good 20 hours of hellraiser <laughs> discussion i i i i have to hope that like a thousand years from now for some reason anthropologists will care about that franchise because then we will be like the find will be the most amazing thing they find on some you know internet archive hollow cube <laughs> under a nuclear bunker
0: if it prognosticates these actual visitations from extra-dimensional hell creatures, oh, that could then, be good. Uh, yeah, then then uh, people will be trying to look for kind of a prior art.
1: Yes, type exactly. Of thing. Be like, yeah. Oh, someone knew they understood. Right. We'll right. be we'll be we'll, we'll be a cherished resource for like <laughs> thirtieth-century truthers about the uh, <laughs> cenobites and and such. But yeah, so we've both been doing this, and uh, we've both been doing our podcasts. Not and, that uh, you
0: could tell by listening to us now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh and yeah we were uh i think i was just over at your place i was like you know what we should do we should uh we should do another podcast where we uh just sit around and, and bullshit because we enjoy the bantering
0: right shooting from the hip exactly and crap so here shooting we are exactly
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> shooting from the hip at crap basically yes. you're pointing a gun through your pelvis towards your colon uh is you shoot, the image here. You, you
0: picture shooting your own crap? I see, I, I, I picture shooting someone else's crap.
1: That could work, too. But, I, yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of gun violence in general, but at mm. least if it's self-inflicted, then no one else is hurt. I guess that's you know, true. It's more of a, you know terrible comic sort of thing rather than a terrible tragic sort of thing
0: since we're talking about the podcast itself i i did register the
1: uh, <laughs> my first emoji domain yes. for this
0: project which uh should be up and running at this point uh if you type the emoji for the poop and the emoji for the gun <laughs> dot com tk, right? tk. no you can't register a dot com that the tld There's only one TLD you can get currently that supports emoji as far as I know, which is .tk, which is some, I mean, tiny island somewhere. Um, But uh, yeah, you type that right into your browser with your emoji keyboard. (laughs) And it should take you to our website. I, I was particularly proud of that. It's a little bit of a convoluted process. I'm I,
1: I, I'm 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 so glad you did that. Like I'm never gonna. I one time I will figure out how to visit it, and and that'll be fine. But <laughs> well, I told you, you sent me an email saying, "Hey, I registered these domains the other day." I was like, "That's great." The one that I can read is great. and The other one looks like two squares I was like. <laughs> Unsupported character. Yeah,
0: unsupported character.
1: TK. Great. I don't, I don't even have that Good Unicode find anywhere on my system. So you know, that's. I think that'll be a strong one. We'll put that's, that on the business cards, and people can. <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet, actually. Though, if someone like this would be a great Google Labs. If you're if you work for Google and you're looking for your whatever it is twenty percent project to to waste your time on before Google uh, cancels it as soon as people like it. Sure. Um, you could come up with a uh, draw your emoji, draw your Unicode, whatever. Uh, thing where people could just mouse the glyph, and then you do image recognition, and say, "Oh, you're probably drawing a poop." Okay, and and then you could let people, you know, visit those domains, right? Or or it could just
0: mouse. it could just be like a iOS app or an Android. No, app. That could, yeah. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, Absolutely, right on a
1: touchscreen. I think that'd be great.
0: I guess if you're already on an iOS or Android device, you probably have access to emoji already, though.
1: Maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, but still, entering it's got to be difficult like at a certain point you get to the point where is it easier to use some sort of keyboard or code system to tell you what it is versus just straight up drawing it?
0: Eh, uh, maybe I could see both sides of that. Yeah. Sure. I don't want to shoot down your great app idea.
1: Yeah, no, don't. I'm I'm really I'm I mean, really I want I want to bring you down in all
0: the ways I possibly can, <laughs> but
1: So we've got a we've got a We've got a big pile of, of topics that we had been uh, writing down at a brainstorming session like a week or something ago, a couple, couple weeks ago. We should definitely quibble at length about exactly how long ago it was that this thing happened because that will be really interesting. Can that be the whole episode? Yeah, let's just do that. Let's, that sounds uh, good. You know, I'm, I'm going to say 11 days actually. 11 because it's a palindrome and that's a call back to to mark on the previous you know what i test? want
0: to tr- what i was trying to ask mark on the last episode <laughs> yes, i do want to know is is w- i started to ask him about the um what, what was the what was the first palindrome he came up with that was three words and the first and the third word were the same and they were all palindromic words in and of themselves
1: oh it was something about kayak S- kayak radar kayak
0: or, yes. or radar kayak I mean, radar, radar,
1: radar. K- kayak radar yes
0: so i started to ask him about it and it and it and it, It kind of launched into, I still think, an interesting conversation about um, what he called a perfect palindrome, where internally it's palindromic. But what I was going to ask was, is there a special name for a palindrome where the spaces work within the palindrome? Because oh, like most palindromes, palindromes, you have to sh-
1: shift the spacing around. That's a good question. Yeah, I I kind of wonder. I I have to assume that there are names for these things because I associate I associate palindromes as a a very specific like linguistic subset of just mathematical pattern stuff. Mm-hmm. And we sort of talked about how it's not exciting to invent a numeric palindrome because you're just saying some digits but it's neat to find them
0: because there's no framework of rules that you
1: have to work yeah, within it's like, like hey, when you're using a language you actually have to make words it was like hey check this out uh, 27172 Oh my god it's a palindrome it's like ah, okay
0: hold but, on a uh, second
1: hold on a second it was a palindrome just Yeah. Can you trust me for once in your life? Yeah. Can no. Just... Well,
0: we'll get there. <laughs> but it, but it was really just an excuse to lead into the one palindrome I can memorize. Oh, yes. uh, do tell. Which is rats live on no evil star.
1: That's a pretty good palindrome. We,
0: you should pause for the applause and cheering that's going to happen that's... to the listeners.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, we can talk through it. It's fun Yeah. It's okay. Like, just <laughs> right. just stutter a little bit to sure. indicate that you're being thrown by right. the applause. Absolutely. Um. But uh, I was like race car, which is not a perfect space palindrome of the sort you're talking about. But uh, sure, it is. It's yeah. a single word. Well, if you put it together, I, I was treating it as two, I guess. I mentioned oh, yeah. Wow, Bob, Wow, but that's got commas in there, and punctuation messes it up too. It, it, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying because there's something there's something about not that like, I think weird... it's
0: particularly better or not. It just is like a, a, a notable within the sphere of the universe of palindromes. I yeah. guess I don't know.
1: I kind of wonder, has anybody put together any palindromes that have actual uh, reflective symmetry in the glyphs? Like, you know, D and B are arguably mm. the same shape backwards. Mm-hmm. Or wow would be an example of this, because sure. you know, the W and the O and the W all have rotational or bod uh, or reflective symmetry. B, A.
0: No, B-O-D, like your oh, yeah. like, sexy bod. Yeah, like your hot bod. I want yeah. your hot bod, like it's right. an Axe commercial. I know you do, but we're recording yes. the
1: podcast right um, now. <laughs> you scamp. Uh, yeah, no, so I kind of wonder about that. Are there lengthy pot? I mean, bod is a good example of, well, it's, hmm. I guess bod would be a good example. How about dube? Like smoke a dube. F- dube? Yeah. O O O D and B are all I can think so, of So the right tricky now. thing here would be getting this going on in a palindrome. That's a larger palindrome than yeah. just a single word. So sure. that is that is something we should totally ask him when we travel back in time. Uh, yeah, to I uh, got, you agree. Yeah. <laughs> So this has also been an episode about palindromes. (laughs) But I wanted to talk about... uh, Well, I don't know if I wanted to talk about per se, but I wanted to broach the subject of our list of topics. So we've got a big up... I got a page full of things, and this is like, you know, enough for, I don't know uh e- easily you know seven or eight episodes if we talked about nothing but this and we didn't talk about any of this stuff
0: uh <laughs> right it's a, it's a it's a it's a list that can uh, accommodate infinity episodes if we continue literally talking about nothing while we talk exactly right.
1: well or like with Ma- with mark we talked about uh, mark stuff basically we oh, talked sure. about yeah, his palindromes yeah. we talked about his uh chip kelly uh, the Dow of Chip Kelly book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't burn through any of yeah, this. No, it's cool and then stuff. I felt like we, uh, before we started recording here, we came up with two or three things. Although one of them, we were talking about mixtapes and then I've already got mixtapes on here. So apparently oh, this yeah. is a recurring thing that comes up when we've been <laughs> sitting around uh, drinking and bullshitting.
0: I actually love talking about mixtapes. If you wanted to just launch right into that one, we were talking about it right before we started recording. We, I don't
1: know. I don't know if that's verboten. We, we could totally do that. You know what? Let's let's uh, I, cause I want to experiment with this taking a break thing. Let's take mm. a quick break. Okay. And when we come back, We'll uh we'll talk about mixtapes. Yeah, all right, absolutely. See you in a second. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Hit the boys. A merry little Christmas. Make the Yule tide gay. From now on. From now on, our troubles make miles. miles. away. Here we, are. Here we are, as in olden days. Happy golden days of your Faithful, Faithful friends who are dear to us. Gather near to us once more.
2: Once more. Through the years. Through the years. We all will be together if the fates allow. Hang a shining star on the highest bough. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Now,
1: and we're back. Uh from uh, sitting uh, in my basement around a pool table uh, talking about how we hit stop and then we we're going to hit uh, play again. It's This is this is how the sausage gets made. Uh. <laughs> we're back from and to that. <laughs> you have no idea how much time passed. It could have been an hour. Right. It could have been 15 seconds. It was probably somewhere in between. You should assume any time we're not
0: recording that me and Josh are just staring blankly at one another.
1: I'm staring very meaningfully. Oh, well. Uh, lost we, on me apparently right before we went to break uh you may have heard a little bit of mic noise as jesse was uh getting out of a chair and back in to try and get a, a another beer but then he didn't want to uh open the beer on Mike because he didn't know if that was kosher sure and, and and i said that that is kosher and so just right. to just to sort of like seal this with a kiss there we i go. will open a beer on Mike. um and we're in Portland and opening beer in cans. That's mm-hmm. that's a whole conversation. We're, we're going to talk about mixtapes, but we could talk about beer and beer etiquette and hipster uh, stuff. <laughs> that's a whole. Maybe that'll be the next. Uh, I need segment. like six
0: cups of coffee to get into the hipster conversation because oh. I get riled up on that one.
1: Maybe maybe, maybe we'll, we'll 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 record from a really obscure coffee shop that not a lot of people go to, mm. uh, and we can we can tackle that.
0: Yeah, we've already recorded that episode, but you probably haven't
1: heard it. <laughs> <laughs> So mixtapes, mixtapes. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. And, uh, I was, I was real
0: obsessive. I, 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 I was, I mean, I would like get a piece of like lined paper and write out the names of the songs that I was going to put on it. And I would, I would listen really carefully to the outros and intros of songs. And I'd cue them up on my, on my, either my tape deck without when it was going tape to tape or later my CD player, when I was going CD to tape and, because I really wanted this them to segue nicely for, before I even knew the word segue. I, I really wanted the transition to be smooth before demon came Stylistically. and invented the segue. You were saying, right. right? You know, I wrote a segue one time. That's really? a whole other I story. Done that yeah, um, in New Orleans,
1: <laughs> <laughs> what better city to write a segue?
0: In? Any city. There's they have the rockiest, shittiest sidewalks. There you're going to die writing a segue were in you that drunk? city. No, not well. This writing Segway makes you feel drunk in some ways. <laughs> it's like you've got inner ear trouble. No, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I liked it in the most anyway. The um, I'm a Segway defender now, but. Uh, no yeah I mean making mixtapes I, I, I created I made inc- I had incredible care for, for making mixtapes and, and and even more so when it came to the point where you could start mixing and recording the CD off of your computer and you could really really like uh, audition those transitions from one song to the sure, next yeah. you could try and put together kind of an emotional through line through the whole thing you know flow it could start in a certain way and kind of you know go down and then swell up and then kind of peter out and end on a poignant note in all these different ways I was really and, and and I just felt like I never made one for someone who I thought, like, listened to it as tenth as hard as I, as I, like,
1: made it. And now, did that, did that factor in, like, like, were you ever making a mixtape, uh, for someone, uh, with the hope that the kind of care that went into it would surface for them? Or was it always, were you just sort of going in with this kind of like, the craft of this is all about me. This is, I'm doing this for my own sake as much as anything. And maybe they'll like the music, but by God, I'm building this because I'm, I I care about what I'm doing. I mean,
0: in hindsight, I think I only ever did any of it for myself because it was just completely like my own self importance and my sense of like, I I know so much about music, and I can put together this beautifully transitioned and, and, and emotional flow of an album and stuff like that. I mean, it was around the time I was starting to pick up on like how a good uh, producer of a professionally recorded album will do the same thing, and how uh, how a band and their producer will choose the order of the tracks and things like that, and and create the transitions between tracks and things. Um, I felt like I was the first person in the world to discover that, and I was like, <laughs> and and, and, I, and I would I would try and show off for for, uh, but yeah, no, it was completely just ego-driven that I was even making these things. In my mind, it wasn't. In my mind, I was like, I'm making this beautiful work of art for you. I'm making this collage of emotion, uh, and and at the same time, bringing you this combination of songs that you were probably into, and songs that you might not be, but I think you could grow into. The like Voyage blah, blah, blah. of Discovery part. Yeah, of it, it's it, like you're, it you're absolutely. From familiar in my-
1: Dales to uh, unfamiliar, what goes with the Dale? Hills? hills? Hills, yeah. Maybe the familiar Hills and unfamiliar Dales, because what is a Dale
0: it's a dip between a hill is it is like think. a valley like yeah. sort of a
1: then because hmm. yeah. there's Icewind dale that was a classic video game i guess it was an ice wind valley no i'm not with you here yeah there was it, you know Baldur's gate too. Yeah, yeah okay well so they, they made Baldur's gate this is the this is the worst fucking derail of your your <laughs> meaningful discourse on your mixtape experience but there was a game called Baldur's gate that was yeah. put out by a little company at the time called bioware who right. has since gone on to be huge and then bought by EA, and who knows if that's going to ruin them. But they made Mass Effect and
2: mm-hmm. Dragon Age
1: and a bunch of other things. Sure, sure. Um, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, let's talk about video games I've played. Uh, so they made Baldur's Gate, and it was this huge thing. And and then they were just sort of rode the cash of that to put out a couple games that were sort of just following on that same engine they developed and one was Icewind Dale and okay. it's uh, it a well Baldur's Gate
0: was like a like a based on traditional D&D yeah. mechanics yeah right? well, it was the first
1: time someone like did an ambitious D&D game that sure. wasn't a pile of shit basically sure uh, and so Icewind Dale was basically okay, now let's just let's throw in some more content. Go sure. kill a bunch of things in a dungeon.
0: Well, you know how we could actually bring that around is is I recently played through Gone Home. Have you
1: played that game? I have not yet. I'm very excited well, about it. Well, it's pretty
0: extraordinary and and, I, and I'm I'm really one of the most spoiler averse people you'll ever know in your life, but um so I'll try to tread lightly on this. But part of the game is a, is a is a exploration and discovery of someone's a young person's personal life in the, in their teens in the early 90s and a lot of that is discovering these like tapes that her friend has made for her and um and and there's a lot of just there's so much hard and, and and uh personal experience brought to bear in the development of this game it's a it's a, comes out of a small studio it's a very short game with very basic mechanics but um the idea of exploring this house and by extension this person's like kind of personal life and journey this like young person's this teenage girls uh, experience of the 90s and so much of it is wrapped up in those little like physical trappings of it like tapes made for you by your friend and they've written like on the inside of the little cardboard insert in the tape case and stuff they've written little secret notes in the part where you would take the tape out and then you could see on the inside yeah, and the bottom yeah. and things like that that are that are just like just incredibly fine little touches that you that you come across in this really wonderfully crafted uh and and and, and kind of intensely personal little game Gone Home, highly recommend to everybody. Gone
1: Home, mm-hmm. go go check out Gone yeah, Home. Yeah, it's on Steam. You no, know, I'm I'm really I'm really interested. I haven't gotten to it yet. I've been I bought a bunch of stuff during the the Steam Summer Sale, mm-hmm. uh, so I've got a ridiculous backlog that I've not really gotten into at all. Um, but uh, that 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 is something I'll have to pick up at some point because I'm, I'm really excited for it. I really like this this general trend towards uh, these games that are just willing to basically say, Hey, you know what? We don't really need a formal game mechanic. We don't need a platformer or a first-person shooter. I just have a story I want to tell, and I can tell it in an atmospheric way. Dear Esther. Yeah, I played it right before i gone home, and it's yeah, a good yeah. c- comparison. I mean, me. Dear Esther, basically, you know, the biggest criticism people have had of it that I heard was that, like, you know, there's barely any game here. All you do is wander around and experience this place. But it's like, let's think back to Mist, which, you know, is... Fairly derided at this point for being a very, very mechanically underwhelming game. But at the same time, it was huge because people engaged with it because it was sort of like you're wandering around and exploring a place. There wasn't much game there. The The puzzles uh, were very sort of like drawn down and and sort of ham-handed in their contrivance as like, oh, well, and now you need to solve this weird locate these five symbols puzzle. It's like, eh, really? But still, it was an interesting place. And so I feel like there's this... Uh, with things like Dear Esther and Gone Home and some of the other games that are sort of... They're, they're almost like... It's like an epistolatory novel as a video game, you know? And, and there's certainly nothing new about games having sort of written or audio content as part of the storytelling in the reveal, but games that are willing to just commit to that and make that be the whole game seems like a really interesting and and, I think, promising move forward into this idea of sort of... You know, just narrative as a nominal game. You know, because like I, I like a lot of games that have had uh, narrative, like, like like audio logs is a popular way to deliver story in, say, a first person shooter.
0: Sure, journals that you pick up.
1: Yeah, you like find that. some little snippet of someone, and it's great because you can go and you're exploring during a a spot between fights and you find this journal and it starts playing back because someone's like captain's log. Uh, there's been some weird stuff happening down the cargo bay. Not sure what's going on. It's probably just some, uh, guys doing some things. And it, of course it's actually a terrible alien threat or something that you find out in the third act. Uh, but it's always like, you know, a little bit of audio log and then a bunch of shooting and a little bit of audio. And you know, I spend 15, 20 hours and I like the game. So I don't, I, I, I don't have a problem with this. I want, you know, 16 hours of shooting and two hours of audio logs. That's fine. But, uh, but you know, if someone just has two hours of story to tell, there's nothing wrong with just having a two-hour-long game that tells that story. I mean, that's great. That's like sitting down and watching a movie or something, you know? It's like... There's in a wrong. sense, I,
0: I feel like Dear Esther is an interesting example because it's. I don't think I would. It would have held my attention if I wasn't playing it. Like if that if if the the experience of playing that game was just something I was watching and not interacting with. Yeah. I think I don't think it would have been very interesting. Um, but I was really enraptured by it when I was playing it. Um, and there are mechanical things in Dear Esther that the the full standalone game. I mean, it started as a mod for a Half Life 2. I forget exactly how it started its life, but the full standalone version of the game um, does have some interesting mechanics things where there's a brief sequence where it's kind of like a cutaway slash flashback slash kind of surreal dream sequence uh, that's different each time you play it. And there's and there's mm. parts of the, um, the, the ongoing narration that you're hearing throughout the game that are randomized. Uh, if you play it through a second time you're going to hear different parts of the story. You're going to hear things in a different order. And there's multiple stories going along that all kind of interleave in certain ways that you couldn't do with a video because a video you're kind of Hammering it down to one exact experience, whereas Dear Esther is kind of the experience is unfolding dynamically in the game engine as you go. Too, um, it's really not a game for everybody, for sure. And and I, I would I would hesitate to recommend it to even a, a really die in the video gamer. But I found it a really really fascinating, like uh, David Lynchian almost experience. Yeah. Um. And and something that wouldn't, I couldn't compare to watching something similar in a video though. Uh, at the same time, because Playing it out and exploring kind of the nooks and crannies was a big part of the experience that they had developed for the game. That it was uniquely a video game.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a whole it's a whole interesting uh, direction for the medium and take. And one of the tricky things is is. I like the game development tools. We are so not talking about mixtapes at this point, but uh, I like I like the game development tools keep getting more and more robust to the point where you can make something like Dear Esther or Gone Home without having a big budget. Mm-hmm. Just having a 3D world that you wander through is totally accomplishable for some guy working in his garage essentially. The you cool know,
0: thing about a game like Dear Esther or even Gone Home is that it's it's like it's a game that wouldn't have survived a single like committee meeting. You know, it wouldn't oh, survive sure. a single how do you like how do you, planning, like yeah. marketing meeting. How do you go uh, to
1: EA and say no? Totally, people will love this. Even if some genius in inside a larger, human yeah. condition. you know,
0: uh, it, it, it has to be personal, which means that it has to come from a small team, which means that the tools have to exist that someone can make something yeah. like that. And I mean, it's not the first time that an amazing and personal game has come out, but it's always had to be the the kind of miraculous like, unicorn developer who happens to have this incredibly personal and and compelling story and a super good grasp of the mechanics of developing a game yeah. that and they can kind of pair them together. Like, Braid is a really good example. Yeah. But there's also, like, even older examples than that, of course.
1: But Braid's a good example of, I think, what traditionally limitation has been is, like, you know, Braid is an interesting game that was sort of a slightly janky-looking 2D platformer. You know, I, the, the fact that he managed to tell an interesting story and marry it to some interesting game mechanics was great, but at the same time, you know, the difference in what people see when they see, say, a gameplay video of Braid versus a gameplay video of Gone Home or Dear Esther. Is considerable just because people are so used to seeing the relatively immersive, relatively cinematic feel of a three D engine at this point. So, Braid kind of looks like you know. There's a lot of people are going to see Braid and they're going to say, "Oh yeah, it looks like uh, that uh, Mario game."
0: Well, with with the example of Braid, it was definitely using that. I mean, it was that was a very deliberate decision. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, and then and, and that it's kind of like plays with the tropes of two D platformers yeah. from our childhoods. Too, yeah, for sure. it, in a
1: fun, interesting way. But at the same time, that's that's speaking very much to a, an audience who is willing to say hey yeah i'd like to play an experimental platformer hearkening back to my youth playing super mario brothers right where something like gone home or dear esther even if it's not going to appeal to everybody when they actually really get into it a lot of people will look at it and say oh okay well i kind of at least i get what's going on here okay we're playing uh, a first person exploration game okay I, yeah, I'm and- immediately engaging with the basic look of my my character interaction here
0: yeah, I mean, Gone Home can make sense narratively and kind of emotionally to someone who's never played a video game before. As long yeah. as they could get a grasp of moving and looking around, they could figure it out, and they could have the experience they were looking for. And it's great, Someone would really has to have ten years of playing video games as a kid under their belt before they yeah, to exactly. start so to make sense. Yeah, it's the
1: difference between like speaking to uh, basically an expert audience versus speaking to uh, you know a naive player. Sure uh in the not like like not naive as in fuck you but naive as in you know you aren't required to have a developed skill set in this specific genre already
0: right or just like that kind of familiarity with tropes like rescuing the princess and the blah blah, yeah. blah, blah blah that that, that braid kind of yeah. explicitly well,
1: like, with. like like uh like like cabin in the woods we were talking uh that was the movie we did on we have such films to show you before mm-hmm. the the event horizon podcast and I got in a conversation uh, on MetaTalk on Metafilter about this with folks um, where part of my curiosity about that film is I really loved Cabin in the Woods. I thought it was great, but I loved it as someone who really likes horror movies. And it's a really smart deconstruction of a lot of the tropes in horror movies. Uh, right,
0: Drew Goddard called it a, a loving hate letter to horror movies. <laughs> exactly, which I love. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like
1: it's like the letter you write a couple of years after a bad breakup mm-hmm. with someone who was you were really into, maybe. Right, and uh, you still
0: you know still see the beauty. of um, Yeah, and, you
1: yeah. Know. You know why it didn't work, but you also know you know why it was so good when it was good. You yeah. Know, maybe. Uh, so Cabin in the Woods is this wonderful sort of like meditation on the horror genre and the history of American horror films in particular. Uh, and 80s slasher films uh, in Particular Particular. Uh, if you really want to be specific about what you're saying, you repeat a word. Mm. Particular Particular, mm-hmm. it's even more particular. <laughs> um and I really liked it for that, but I was thinking, you know, what is this film like for people who are not dyed-in-the-wool horror fans? If you aren't, like, just fucking married to this genre, if you don't know all of these references, if you're basically coming in without any serious exposure to how these films work, does this film seem clever or does it just seem stupid because why is everybody doing all the dumb things they're doing? You know, it's, it's a really... It's because it's, it's a question I can't answer. I can't put myself in the headspace of not having seen, you know, several hundred hours of horror films. Uh, and I, I'd actually kind of like to have that conversation with someone who saw it basically clean.
0: I think Cabin in the Woods specifically works, though, even even if you're not deeply versed in those kind of tropes. and it, And it's because it's a story of of one group of people creating a narrati- narrati- uh, a narration for another group of people's experience, and then those other group kind of breaking out and then the two clashing. It's not a bunch of, like, winky, in-jokey references or, or kind of, like, clever material referential stuff and, and tropes. I mean, it, there is that is kind of baked into it, but it's not just kind of... It's not a series of audience winks.
1: That's that's fair. Yeah, the, the, the it's,
2: stru- it's actually
0: mechanically it is is developed to be kind of undermining the format. Yeah, in the a way antagonism that
1: think, between yeah. uh, the the kids and the people in the facility to spoil the first three minutes of the film. Right. Uh, this is
0: Cabin in the Woods is a funny thing because you know I've done a podcast on. Is the second podcast I recorded for my pod my first show in the cut and it was the second to most recent one that you recorded and now here we are together talking about it we have an incredible corpus of talking about cabin in the woods is it
2: Have
1: you listened to my cabin in the woods episode I have and and I have to say it was, I was I've totally yelling. listened to any of your episodes that I was not on I
0: was you you obviously didn't because there <laughs> There was so uh, there was uh, one, the point I was really yelling at my speakers was when you were arguing about how the v- very last shot, spoiler for Cabin in the Woods last shot of Cabin in the Woods should have been for
1: the next 30 seconds maybe
0: what, oh, it's gonna be that quick that you just shut me down? No. Oh no no no! I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um. So you, we, we, and, and we touched on this too. No, like, let's
1: spend the thirty seconds we warned
0: him oh about arguing about how long it will take <laughs> to talk about this. So when you come back, we'll get right into it.
1: That's the way to go. Y-
0: your initial response to the last shot of the film is that you want it to be some tentacle or some kind of like old like Lovecraftian behemoth that's coming up through the ground to destroy the the world, right? The reason it's not, and what I realized, and what I think both of you guys missed, is that the hand plunging up from the ground is one of the most iconic shots in horror movie history, and it's the human hand plunging up from the grave.
1: Which is fair, and I think I think that didn't come up. I think maybe Yakov actually countered with that specifically. Uh no, no no I just listened maybe, to maybe it we were so excited about it maybe it came up on Facebook after the it fact. it
0: has to be the human hand plunging up because it's a callback to that to the the most like one of the most memorable stylistic touches in the end of a horror movie is the last second gotcha of the hand shooting up from the ground sure, to grab somebody sure. um, and that's why I don't that's why it wasn't a tentacle well uh, fair enough I <laughs> I, I, I can
1: I can buy it I still I was still at at the time I was bothered, but maybe it's me. Maybe it's, uh, me, uh, you know, being too needy. Maybe it's me actually demanding fan service in a way that, you know, reveals my own, uh, weakness as a, you know, consumer with a codependent relationship with the existing tropes rather than <laughs> a willingness to, uh, yearn ever forward for something new and something more, uh, revealing and, and, and novel and, uh, and, and stuff.
2: Uh,
0: the whole end did fall flat, though. I mean, that, that, that iconic shot had to be in there, but I think that yeah, well, I, uncovering the it? mechanics of the it, world is, yeah. is, is, was was really, there wasn't enough there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was like, in terms of like taking a twist, the whole third act was good because it sort of s- really, it, it swerved, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the execution of the swerve is its own thing and, and there are things to quibble about but I'm
0: just talking about when they get downstairs and they go face to face with the director
1: yeah with Sigourney
0: right that that just there wasn't any. It,
2: it,
1: there. It, it, yeah, I, I kind of agree. But anyway, uh, in summary, if listen you want to hear both, hear both <laughs> of our our other unrelated podcasts, <laughs> hear episodes either or both of us jawing about Cabin in, in the
0: Woods for uh, <laughs> hours on end. Just enough of that in the world already. We've got
1: like three and a half, four hours between <laughs> us and our two episodes probably. So uh, go check those out in the cut, and uh, we have such films to show you. We're going to splice them in here. <laughs> we're going to take a little break, and then we'll come back and talk about I don't know mixtapes more or something. We'll figure it out. Uh, see you in however long it takes us to splice in something between when I hit cut here and when I hit a record for the next segment. I'm over explaining it, aren't I? Yeah, yeah no, I'm, it's just, I'm just, I'm just in the fucking cut. murdering it here. Yeah. Alright, see you in a second. Hey,
2: Google, town's a town to the lake. Hey, Google's been a mistake. This is really a surprise. Watch out, right? Scare please. Last summer it wasn't, I think. My friends confused and one even accused me and caught a boy right on the sink. <laughs> hey, think of my a town so complex. I'm a master's a lake, bad thing to do that. Some heart's ran through a bridge. Two, two of my neighbors are getting upset. Hey, dude, just what's the deal? Hey, dude, just to see how I feel. I can't get an operation, I'm facing rejection. Hey, dude, I'm a real. on the reel. Let
0: I wish I could follow Josh's lead and open my next beer right on Mike, but he, instead he brought me a stein of what is it? It's
1: oh, this is a. I just was handed
0: this beer. This is a
1: Scottish ale. I wish I could tell you what I should have brought the bottle down. And we could discuss it. But for uh, a second thought, uh,
0: maybe you just handed me a pint of Scotch was what you were gonna no. say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it's a, it's it's a it's a, yeah, it's a, <laughs> we call it will, Scottish ale in my family. <laughs> I just really like yeah, I really like it when people vomit um, from. From drinking too much. The
0: problem is that when we talk about video games or movies, it's it's what the military calls a target-rich environment, and like I can hardly decide which random tangent to just fly way off. On. Yeah, there's so, so many with things Cabin can in the Woods, down. I feel like I could have taken a hundred hours on that, but at the same time, like I want to quickly rewind
1: <laughs> <laughs> with with like like manually with a pencil?
0: Yeah, I want to put uh, my uh, number two pencil through the sprockets of my cassette tape and flip it around in the air for a second. Uh, One is I want to defend the puzzles and mists not so much the first one, which I didn't spend a lot of time playing, but I played a lot of the uh, second, especially the third, and also the fourth one, and I thought the puzzles were pretty strong. I don't, maybe the series I don't, grew into the
2: puzzles. Maybe, sure. and I
1: don't mean to overly shit on it. Sure. I just I just mean that there wasn't a whole lot of it. I mean, it was a really, it was a pretty, it was a choose-your own adventure book. Right. Uh, with some graphics you know it was it was a very simple construct that sure. first game okay you know? it was an over it was an overgrown HyperCard stack which is awesome
0: right it was literally an overgrown hyper yeah, card yeah. stack
1: yeah uh those folks at scion god really, i'm yeah. gonna sh- i i you just poured me this
0: beer but i feel like pouring it out for HyperCard right now <laughs> that was bless, that was one of the hyper biggest
1: apple you know you've done a lot of clever things you made a lot of money but you should have you should not have fucking killed Hypercard. That was <laughs> that was a dream machine. That was a dream language. That was a dream pigeon for a whole generation of kids. And then you just—I guess mm. this is
0: kind of what I'm talking about—is I can't see an alleyway without sprinting down it.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about Hypercard for about eight
0: minutes. But to come all the way back, uh, I, I was curious. Uh, I, I can't think of a single. Well, maybe one or maybe two. I can. Th- I feel like I can think of ten. Fifteen mixtapes and mixed CDs I made for specific people in my life at specific points in my life, but I, I can hardly think
1: of any that were made for me. Do you? I I'm the other way around. Okay. Well, not totally the other way around, but I I have a few mixtapes in uh, the pile of cassettes I was telling you before we uh, started recording. I think I don't think any of this is on tape so far. So context. Hmm. Uh, I had a bunch of tapes I had uh, in college. You know, tapes from middle school and high school and then early in college uh that ended up sitting in in my my wife's bedroom at her old house where she grew up um and and we recently found those because her mom was like hey you know take some more stuff that's sitting in your (laughs) closet home which yeah fair enough uh and among it was this this uh cassette container that had like 15 of my old cassette tapes from college and high school and this was like so exciting and and uh And in there was like three or four mixtapes from uh, a couple from uh, my uh, high school girlfriend uh, and a couple from uh, a friend of mine uh, from high school. And uh, Dr. Demento Greatest Hits mixtape that uh, a guy that my sister was friends with made. And so, you
0: know... So you mentioned Dr. Demento earlier uh, b- before we started recording and you called him Dr. D, which made me really happy. Because yeah. it's like, that could be Dr. Dre or Dr. Demento depending yeah, true, on true what on. kind of childhood you had. Yeah,
1: and I wonder if there was ever a Dre track that played on Dr. D. Probably not. I feel like, I feel like there's like, they're a disjoint set to use the language of mathematics. Okay. Um... But uh, (laughs) as we want to do, that's the thing you should do, by the way. Just throw that at the end of anything you say that sounds a little bit academic to use the language of mathematics. Seems like I I have stubbed my uh, podial phalanges to use the language (laughs) of mathematics. And people will just be like, oh, okay. Well, you know, like most people, one in ten will be like bullshit. But uh, even then. Social strictures will will disincentivize them from calling right. you on it. They'll just think it in their head. Social strictures, and, yeah. social To use strictures. the language
0: of mathematics.
1: Exactly. <laughs> there, you've you've got it. You've got it. Let's do let's let's do a nice uh, on mic off mic clink. There, that was the sound of clinking. I'm glad we didn't actually break these glasses. But, mm. uh, I did that once, you know, in Germany, even.
0: You slammed two together?
1: Yeah, I know. We were at uh, Oktoberfest uh, in 2004. I went to, with some friends from college a few years after we'd all graduated, and we mm-hmm. met up uh, in Munich, uh, and we went to Oktoberfest, and they've got these huge tents. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, Oktoberfest uh, they, they've got this basically carnival fairway and there's like 11 or 12 tents set up and I say tents I mean 5,000 person occupancy tents these are mega tents these are <laughs> these make like you know Christian revival churches look like we sure. by, by by comparison and there's just nothing but like you know there's a thousand wooden picnic tables crammed in under these tents and there's a band up on a bandstand and you know there's, there's, there's frows wandering around with, you know, they're they're carrying six or eight liter Mawson at a time, just big old steins full of beer and you pay seven bucks a beer. And at the time I was like I was still pretty I was a poor motherfucker having gotten out of college and working a shitty job and it was like seven dollars for a beer, but it was a pretty big beer at the same time. So he was like, if you think about it, it's basically two pints, three fifty for a pint's not too bad. Portland's a pretty good place to buy beer and that's competitive. So I don't know what my problem was. My problem was I was poor. Mm. That's that's what my problem was. But uh but anyways, it's a fantastic thing, and I don't remember how I got going down this road exactly, but oh yes, clinking glasses together. We totally slammed a couple of liter uh, steins together and just shattered one of them, and then there was like last, the- and you know what, I was I, I was party to the smashing, and uh, and the other person who was party to it, I think sort of noticed but got distracted, because we all had a lot to drink by this mm. point, which is part of how it happened. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I felt like I should have probably been like, oh, by the way, everybody at the table, I just smashed glass all over the table. So be careful. Let's wipe it down. Instead, I was like, oh, my God, that was awesome. I need <laughs> another beer. And then my, my my friend Raj, the next day, he's like, I don't know what happened to my elbow. It was bleeding. And I I don't know. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, that was, yeah, that was the glass from Glass, probably all the glass then. i put there yeah, yeah. <laughs> felt a little bit bad about that but at the same time it was it was uh you know kind of uh, it was a great time i i hardly recommend going to germany with a friend who can speak some german mm-hmm. and uh getting really drunk in beer tense uh it's a good time it's a nice time end of story
0: yeah yeah i heard about that it was intense <laughs> That's oh. a callback to episode one. If you haven't heard episode <laughs> did we, one, did
1: we do that on Mike? Was that we we talked about that on? Oh Mike? God, I okay. hope so. I I think, I, just, I think we did. I think. I
0: mean, we, I sound like an idiot either way. But twice as much <laughs> if if that first time we no, we definitely did. I made a I, huge point of that. Because-
1: <laughs> I uh, I enjoyed. I've I've always loved that joke, and I, I liked I liked that you know I was bringing up. I remember I, <laughs> hey, remember that time last episode? Oh God, uh, like, this, like
0: it was yesterday or last week.
1: Yeah, exactly. But uh, but I I've always enjoyed. Like I, I had written on my list of possible things we can do on an episode of this podcast, workshop a joke. And my thought was like doing something that me and Yakov ended up doing on. We have such films to show you one time when we were so demoralized, but by, by whichever terrible late Hellraiser sequel we did we just wanted to talk about something else and so we started talking one of us told a joke and the other one's like and i think he told a joke and i was like oh yeah i love that joke but you told it wrong let's talk about how you tell that joke right and then we went back and forth for a while so i was going to be like you guys told that joke the same too i remember that was that was the
0: pianist who had the tourettes
1: yeah and then everybody who was heard that and responded was like yeah but you got the lunch the lunch line right totally wrong uh uh, just, we're not, I didn't think on, you not, got it
0: wrong I just thought I you had right. heard I, I thought I thought I had heard a better version of it than yes. either of you had Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah fair, fair well maybe we'll workshop it sometime but right. uh, I won't go into it right now but the point is I like the idea of working out a joke and then Mark as our first guest is he's a professional stand-up
0: literally comedian, had so. a joke he was still working on. yeah Make so I was great. like let's
1: workshop a joke and I was just going to yeah. try and think of some shitty joke I knew and he's like oh I've got some new material <laughs> And then i felt so bad because like i've got some new material blah blah blah, blah and i actually kind of liked it but at the same time i was like well okay if we're doing this I think it was shitty in these two ways, so you got to work on that shit, guy who he does did, this for a living.
0: He really, he really sold it, and there was really crickets after he said it. And it was that we had nothing to do with the joke. It was just because we were both overthinking it from yep. the from the get go.
1: We're like we we were in like the worst possible. Like we were taking it as like a pitch meeting instead of someone doing comedy. We're like, hey, let's let's really let's quietly ponder this. Let's really <laughs> let's give this some somber consideration instead of saying, oh, shit, yeah, he's free. Right.
0: There's no, nothing makes a joke better than somber consideration. Exactly.
1: That's why they don't allow drinking at uh, comedy clubs. There's a, it's a zero drink maximum right. is, uh, is how it usually works there. Uh, so in summary, no, I, I, I got very, very few. Uh, I made very few mixtapes is, is how I want to wrap that segment up. Uh, just because I'm, I'm so enjoying being able to take a break. Uh, let's take one more break and we'll come back and we'll talk about a little something else and we'll wrap up.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about something completely different.
1: Yes, but yeah. not not Python. All right, we're back. We're back. And <laughs> Jesse's immediately drinking a beer instead of Just picking up slamming,
0: the slam. I'm slamming beer. Yes. That's a, this is the only way I can tolerate this episode. <laughs> I hope you out there are doing the same. I have an incredibly important question to ask you, and this is something, it's, well, I guess first of all, like, this is something I was inches from posting to ask Metafilter, right? I mean, for anyone who listens to this podcast and doesn't know that Josh is a moderator on Metafilter.com. Um,
1: I'm a professional website moderator.
0: Right. He clicks on a website for a living, which is something that all of us can aspire to, I think. Um, but this is something I don't think, it, I don't think this word. I think it's a chat filter, unfortunately, which is the designation... I don't know. Do you want to explain chat filter?
1: Uh, chat chat filter is basically bullshit questions. Right. And I love bullshit questions. I actually, I, I will come back to this after whatever you're going to go into here but but basically there's there's how do i solve this concrete problem which is great for our site that's what ask meta for and then there's like what if the moon was made of cheese which is an awesome question but not really what the site is for so that's a so chat filter that's I sort of like hey let's talk about this crazy shit what this popped I? into my mind and
0: i couldn't get over it so this is it's funny that you even mention the moon because it just completely puts a just a perfectly sets off how this is the worst possible question for filter. (laughs) But I have to know the answer because I think it's an answerable question unlike chat fiddle generally which is if you were standing on the moon and you had a baseball in your hand could you throw the baseball into the sun?
1: No. Why not? I'm going to give you a firm no. Why not? Because you would have no way to generate the kind of Velocity, escape velocity for the moon? Yeah, no. Okay, the moon. You would be able to throw a a baseball so far; it would be amazing. You would be like, "I am the greatest." You don't think you could throw a baseball
0: straight up and escape the moon's gravity?
1: No, no. The moon, the moon has something like a sixth of the mass of the Earth's you know, it's smaller than the Earth. Sure, and, and again, you. Would be, you know, I Thanks think for joining us on Science. We've podcast. all looked up in the sky. The moon, the moon, is, moon is smaller than the Earth, Earth. Yes. Next week, we'll have Neil deGrasse Tyson on to tell you uh, where the differences are between your asshole and your elbow. Uh, <laughs> no okay the the moon significantly less gravitational field than the Earth, you know to the extent that if you weren't wearing a bulky spacesuit, you could probably jump like a crazy motherfucker, sure, and you if you wind up and chuck a baseball, you could throw that sucker really far you would you would have crazy, crazy distance on a baseball even as someone who throws like a moon girl um sexism mm. uh but uh. But still, not escape velocity. Escape velocity is a motherfucker, and you would have to have a serious source of uh, kinetic energy to propel something out of the moon's orbit. So, no, no, I feel like you could check. If you're the not baseball. trying to
0: put it into orbit. You're trying to throw it straight up. I would think.
1: Well, straight up's harder right? than orbit, is what I'm saying. To escape orbit. Escape velocity. That's you got to get. You got to get not just far in a wow. You really threw that far away. You got to get it so far that gravity loses. To the velocity of that object, that object has to beat the gravity of an entire stellar body, and the so moon is So, if you, if not you were
0: like superhumanly strong and you were trying to throw a baseball outside of the moon's gravitational pull, you wouldn't want to throw it straight up. You would throw it at an angle.
1: Not necessarily. No, I, I, that doesn't matter. It's not straight up versus angle. The issue. So that's is That's what I just, thought you were saying. No, I, I, I'm saying it's. I, I'm saying you just don't. No human has that kind of arm. Nolan Ryan doesn't have that arm. Nobody can throw a baseball. Have you seen
0: these? Look at this. Yeah, those are...
1: The, the, I, I appreciate you comping me tickets to the gun show there. Sure, yeah. But uh, even there, no, no. That's more You're, of a preview, really. Yeah, well, it was a red band trailer for mm. the gun show. Very uh, much so. With a, the with a biceps there. I wish you could see the biceps audience. <laughs> They're really his. Um, but uh, no, 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 no. I, you couldn't do it. This is, this is not even chat filter. This is actually just a straightforward, answerable question. You should posted some See, Ask See, I kind of
0: thought that now that I was
1: coming around. I think maybe you should. I, I think you opposable. should. And also my coworkers shouldn't ever listen to this segment of this podcast. <laughs> but no, I think, I think you can sit down and say, hey, uh, just in terms of human capability versus the physics of a gravitational field, Breaking
0: the moon's orbit or breaking the moon's gravitational pull is only one aspect of throwing a baseball from the moon and hitting well, okay the sun, but it's a, it's
1: a it's a trivial case that's the key one if you can't you do that yeah if you can't do that you can't throw it at the sun obviously well you that's true
0: give... but if you can do that it's not like all your problems are behind
1: no, you well no but that's the big one because at that point it's a matter of trajectory you can figure out you know in theory you can figure out the angle and the velocity at which to throw your baseball if you were superman and could throw a baseball out of the moon's orbit uh, and then you could, you would just have to set up the timing just right and get the baseball into the sun's gravity well in a way that it wouldn't slingshot around it. Instead right, of the it sun
0: away. has a pretty substantial gravity well, but you're also reckoning with gravity wells of every celestial body between you and the sure. Sun. You,
1: you would probably this want is to what
0: it. a lot of people have told me. You you, <laughs> you may be surprised to learn that I've actually harassed many people with this. Question, <laughs> I am shocked. None of whom are <laughs> have given me a satisfactory answer, but no. Also, none of whom thought you couldn't get it outside of the moon's gravitational. You ball. talk to idiots.
1: You talked to more. Are
0: oh, you really hurting their feelings yeah, right I know, now? I'm, I have to tell them <laughs> I'm sorry. To I'm being hurtful. Episode.
1: I'm just trying to be antagonistic for the sake of the, the flow here. Actually, I think it's, I think it's reasonable to think about these.
0: My stuff. counterargument argument there though, was that this you know, there's a lot of free space in the solar system, right? It's almost all empty space. Oh yeah. No, no. The, 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 Overwhelmingly. The, the like argument 99 of 99. point, it uh, was lo- however many nines. We'll
1: take it as a given for the moment that you have your Superman, or you've got a really great pitching machine or whatever. Let's assume that you can escape the escape velocity of the moon you can escape the moon's gravity well sure, sure. you can you can reach a velocity greater than that which the moon can contain right uh at that point i don't think it's too hard i mean it might be hard to do the specific calculations to make sure you like poke the sun but but avoiding what what do you need to avoid from from Earth's moon you need to avoid earth so you do this during what sure. a new moon maybe when it's closer to the Sun than the Earth is, so that's solved.
0: Right, a lunar eclipse, ideally.
1: Yeah. And you do it when Venus and Mercury are both not going to move into the path of your baseball while there, it crosses their transits.
0: There's also like medium and small-sized celestial bodies that we're not super familiar with just because they're... Or have, they, have those all been
1: swooped up by... I don't think there's a lot. I mean, I'm not, I'm okay. not saying none, because I am not, like there's not an astrophysicist. And so, as as I but. don't know what all is going on between us and the sun, besides Venus and... And
0: even if you're not going to hit Venus or Mercury or whatever on the way, you could kind of get thrown off course if you got You could be perturbed if you're close, but you'd be
1: pretty close at that point. And, well, you would and, have to be pretty close. And there's a whole lot more... So there's of, a
0: range of effect that's pretty limited. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot more scheme. of
1: Venus and Mercury's orbit. That but somehow Venus the moon has an
0: incredibly to. large range well you're on the moon you're starting on the fucking moon that's the
1: thing i mean let's that's i i don't want to i don't want to upbraid you but i'm going to upbraid you i am going to braid your hair on i don't even
0: know what any of these words mean
1: okay let me me put it this way you're standing on the surface of the earth yeah and you're holding a baseball yes can you throw that baseball out of the earth's orbit no how much are you going to miss by a little or a lot? Like, are are you gonna a not lot. quite get it out, or are you gonna fail miserably?
0: A lot, but I thought that the difference in amount of force it would take to escape the Earth's uh, gravity would be logarithmically higher than the amount it would take to escape the Moon's gravity. I think it's a, squ- and that might have just been a mistaken assumption on my part. I'm willing to accept that. I, th-
1: I think it's a square. I think I, okay. I think I so, so the Moon has I think a sixth of the mass of the Earth, something like that. You said a fourth earlier, a but f- I, so I, okay, I, we're I not it, recording or anything, think, are we? Uh, I think it might have a fourth of the. <laughs> Well, okay. Fourth to a sixth. Let's say a fourth. You know, okay. let's l- fuck it. I, 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 l- l- we'll say a moon. the moon has a fourth of the mass of the Earth. Right. And thus proportionally a fourth of the gravitational constant.
0: Right. A sixth would be easier for me, yes. for my side of the argument. Yes, but, but... So when you say fuck it, a fourth, you're a saying sixth. fuck it and airing on okay. your own a side. Okay, a sixth <laughs> then. A sixth.
1: Let's say the moon has a sixth of the gravitational pull of Earth. Which I believe, uh, if I remember any of my uh, high school and college uh, physics, uh, if you want to take gravitational pull, it's it's uh, gravitational constant k uh, meters per second squared. For example, like like on Earth, it's nine point eight meters per second squared. If I remember right, okay. Um, So it's it's a square of whatever the gravitational constant is. Which means that if the moon has a sixth of the gravity of Earth, it has a 36th of the escape velocity, probably. So if you could throw a baseball 36 times as hard as you actually can, would you be able to throw it out of Earth's orbit?
0: Maybe. I don't know. You,
1: you well, uh, no, you wouldn't. 36
0: times as hard as I can, the baseball will ignite how, when how, I released it.
1: Let's say if you... Well, we'll. Uh, l- 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 the Earth, the the Moon doesn't have a significant atmosphere, so let's let's throw out that uh, friction issue. Let's say if you were on the Earth, how high do you think you could throw a baseball if you threw it straight up? Assuming
0: mechanically, I really, that I was, truly have no idea. Could you throw
1: it a hundred feet straight up? Yeah, I have, I really don't know. You couldn't, but let's say you could. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's say you could. Let's say you could throw it a hundred feet straight up in the air. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've seen your biceps and yes. you can't throw yes. it 100 <laughs> feet.
1: I don't know if anybody could, but let's let us say they could. It's, it's it's an order of magnitude. Re- it's reasonable. Like, let's okay, maybe sure. within the limits of human endurance. So on the moon, 36 times is how you could throw it 3,600 feet. Okay. That's less than a mile. Okay. That's way less than out of the moon's vicinity. At okay. 3,600 feet up on the moon, it would stop and start coming back down. Okay, that's, that thought experiment has convinced
0: it. me. It's in the air for a long time. Oh, yeah, scenario. no, it'd be a hell of a throw. Right, it's going to come down on the other cool. side of the moon, probably, yeah. because well, it's just no. hanging I mean, in the it air it'd, it. come,
1: it'd come down like a Okay, let's say for the sake of
0: argument, argument that uh, that you are strong enough to escape the moon's velocity without too much trouble. Are you throwing it where the sun appears to be at the moment you throw? Yeah, I think you would. You would. I think you would throw it at the sun... Because and, the gravity well's so big,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you're throwing it at the sun. You're going to get out of the moon's gravity. You're going to throw it fairly straight, uh, necessarily, towards the sun. Let's let's say you know, I, and this would be interesting to track down the specifics. We should ask someone from NASA that we know. Sure, uh, but uh, but I think you throw it at the sun and you just try and time it so that it's not going to land in Venus or Mercury on the way. And then yeah, I think you're good. I think you're pretty good. The the confusing part of it to me, and what 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 really made this question
0: roll it over and over and over in my head, and then we can let it go <laughs> if you want. <laughs> or, I mean, I'll never let it go. I'm still going to be hung up on oh, it. Carrying I'm carrying sure. this. Is that it? Seems like celestial bodies are all in motion in relation to one another at all times. Oh sure. And so it. The only way you can even tell what's stationary and what's not, if there even is such a thing as stationary, is by determining arbitrarily a frame of reference that's useful for you for whatever measurement or experiment you're trying to conduct. When you're in the moon and trying to throw at the sun, because every body in the solar system is basically moving in relation to the sun, and the sun is essentially stationary in that frame of reference you can throw right straight at where you perceive the sun to be because it'll still be there in space the broad broad space more broadly <laughs> by the time the ball gets there i guess but it's also moving <laughs>
1: Because the entire galaxy is moving. I think we can. I think. I think we can write out the galactic movement frame of reference because I think that's exactly the way. Because it like it doesn't really matter because it's just a bunch of empty space and there's not like the galaxy is going to throw your baseball off course. Right. But, there's
0: not like air like friction yeah. working against the ball as the wing of the, the spiral yeah. arm of the galaxy. But moves at the same time, I would still. I, I would
1: still welcome comment from uh, any physicists who know what the shit they're doing beyond uh, our vague, increasingly beard recollections. <laughs> And I think you should ask that. Ask me a question. I think you should. I think you should just like straight face it. Please don't mention that we talked about it. Sure. Because uh, that that could you know just get me weird looks from my coworkers. But <laughs> if you play it straight and just ask that, I think it's a legitimate question as mechanics. And people really will tell you that you're wrong. none no, of the question for the none the of moon. the
0: question for me. I mean, part of it is escaping moons orbit, but the bigger part is: Are you throwing for where you perceive the sun to be, or is the sun moving through galactic space? In such a way that the ball, by the time it gets to the sun,
1: the sun's not days, there
0: months, or weeks yeah. later, the sun has moved it to a different part of the universe. I'm
1: going to say that I don't think that specifically is an issue by itself because the moon, the, the, the sun and the moon and so forth's frame of reference collectively includes that gravitational field. Okay, But at the same time, I'm not sure. I, I, I won't swear that if you aim at the sun, you're going to hit the sun rather than hitting where the sun was a baseball throws time away. So I don't know. I don't know. How um, long would it take, do you think? Weeks? Oh, God. It will it depend on your actual velocity that's when you true. escaped uh, the gravity. Right. right. I was kind of presupposing a very that long a human time. being could throw it strong yeah, well, enough and I was going to base you, it on if that. If you manage to hit escape, let's assume you're standing, let's assume you're floating in space where the moon used to be, but it got blown up by the Death Star and there's yeah. no more moon. Sure. There's no gravity. Well, you're just floating in space and you threw at the sun. You'd be throwing at the sun at what? Like, you know, if you were a good fucking baseball pitcher, 100 miles an hour. Sure. Let's say 100 miles an hour right. for a a, a medium. You're uh, on the moon holding
2: a
0: baseball that's magically you, not affected by the no, moon's no, no. gravity.
1: You're, 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 you're in outer space, a moon, the Earth's, the Earth's dif- distance from the sun. Let's say you're you're somewhere on the moon, the Earth's orbit, but the Earth's nowhere nearby. So you're okay. just floating there, and you chuck at the moon, you throw it 100 sure, miles sure. an hour. The sun is 93 million miles away. So it would take... 0.93 million hours to get there. But it might be traveling along a path that is constantly being attracted by the Earth's gravitational pull, so it may not make a difference. I think if it's a straight shot, it's a straight shot. Well,
0: it's slowly accelerating as it approaches the Sun. Oh,
1: true. That would happen, too. But it would slowly, very slowly yeah, at very first. Slowly. Yeah, yeah. But
0: increasingly yeah. the acceleration increases as it yeah, gets it nearer, There's
1: nearer. no centripetal motion to uh, offset its approach to the Sun. Right. Centripetal. Word of the day. Yeah. So I think I think that's pretty good. I, I was going to talk <laughs> about a thing related to this, but I think I'm just going to take that thing and hold it for another podcast because it'll. be- Or we can thing. just scrap all
0: this and we. No, can. <laughs> no, I think this
1: is solid. I think I think you're you're stuck with posterity on this, Mr. Holden. Oh, uh, this is. I I I really enjoyed this. I think this is a good idea. I I, I like the idea of having guests. I think guests will be our norm, but sure. the, I think it's clear that we can hold our own as a couple of rambling jackasses it's clear that neither of us uh, knows how to shut up exactly you know if, if you can't stop <laughs> they can't stop you uh so that's been that's been uh, the experimental crapshoot episode number two the no guest crapshoot with uh me josh millard and uh that guy jesse holden and uh we'll see you next time when the next time happens i'm looking forward to it me too <laughs>